Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week's no exception as we get into the podcast time machine once again and go back to 1999 to look at The Mummy. And listeners, do not worry, there's not a Tom Cruise in sight. And it's such a great thing to go back and enjoy Brendan Fraser, who is, let's be honest, reborn in the whale, which we haven't seen, uh, which is they're calling his, his comeback. And we were thinking, everyone loves a bit of Brendan Fraser now. But do you remember when you first fell in love with Brendan Fraser? Well, for me, it was George in the Jungle. But... Uh, yeah, George in the Jungle, which was, I think, the gateway into this. And one of the interesting things about The Mummy is the studio grabbed him up quickly because his, his fee was cheaper knowing he was about to explode so from we, George of the Jungle. So when we were researching this, guess who one of the actors they wanted in this was? Tom Cruise. They did. And he showed 20 years ago why that should not happen. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's a—it's been a long time coming, this episode, The Mummy. I think it's a fan favourite. I think people that grew up, you know, in cinema in the 90s I think The Mummy was a real great way to end the decade tough year 99 as well for film come out just uh, around the same time as The Phantom Menace no (laughs) one wants to go up against a uh, a Star Wars movie good or bad Uh, no one wants to go up against a Star Wars movie the Matrix, you know, 1999, we've done a deep dive into that year on this podcast and I think we established it was a great year for film. So there's three things this podcast about. Our mission statement is one, we are movie fans and we do films for movie fans. You know, we don't pretend to know what we're talking about, Aaron. Oh God, no, 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 no. 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 Second one is we're very anti-light mayo. I can't stand light mayonnaise. And number three, we cater to our fans because we love them. And this came from a listener called no- Nola. Nola, I've probably said it wrong, Nola Milne. She got in touch with me on the other Facebook and she said, really like your episodes. Great start. Good. <laughs> you sound smart. <laughs> Great start. She said, would you, in the near future, go do The Mummy? And we said, near future? Mm. No, we've already run out of ideas. We'll do it next. <laughs> we are, we're winging it week by week. Week so by if week. you've got any ideas, uh, do let us know. The Mummy, though, I, I, I mean... It wasn't a chore. When that came through yes. and you text me saying, we're going to do The Mummy, that it, it it's not like when we do Jason Statham episodes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or, or stuff not, like where I think, it's not what oh, you have to, yeah. I've only got so many hours this week and I have to fill it with watching something rubbish. It it wasn't an issue going back to revisit The Mummy. It's been on my list of films to revisit for the longest time. It, I'm always, I think I'm always... Um, pleased and and feel good when I see on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram the love people have for this movie because it's, it's timeless it just keeps coming up people saying how much they love it and you're right Brendan Fraser's back in the limelight which is great and what I think one of my favourite and favourite videos online is Brendan Fraser talking to a fan at a comic con and and genuinely it feels like he didn't know the world was waiting for him yeah. with open arms saying, where have you been? We haven't gone anywhere. You're, you know, we still love you. And he's hearing all this and, you know, he's obviously took himself off the grid and and um, it's one of the most heartwarming videos where I, I think he didn't realise there was all this public yeah. backing that he has. And it's the sweetest thing. Came back from the internet sensation. Now, Brendan Fraser is, is an odd one. And what I mean by that is I think early in his career, he picked some weird choices, but he's never... Never shied away from it. He's either a slapstick or he's on the nose humour. Thinking about like things where he did like the mount. It wasn't called the Mountie, but the one where he plays a Mountie, for example. And I know for a fact that you love him. One of your favourite TV series, Scrubs, where he shows mm. up as Ben in a character that, again, comedy is this great thing where it can show you tragedy. And we're both talking about that episode. Jester watched recently and, and was in tears is when he dies halfway through, this, through the episode. His best friend's obviously played by John C. McGinley, Dr. Cox. And they go through that journey where he doesn't realise he's, he's dead. And it's, mm. it's heartbreaking, mate. And it's great acting. So do you know what? Brendan Fraser's got it 
in the whale. Apparently he's got it. We should probably watch that. He's got, he's got the chops. He's got the chops, I think. He has, yeah. I mean, movies bedazzled, mate. Now, I've said time and time again that that film was Oscar winning. I tell you, that film deserved awards. It did. That film, that that Liz Hurley, That I mean, that film deserved awards. <laughs> We're just going to say now, though, all these positives, never forget he was in Crash. <laughs> Everyone's got a death note. So uh, I think I remember, if I go back to my early, just so you know where I am, I saw this film in the cinema. I've, I definitely remember seeing this film in the cinema. 1999 as well. We talked about it. It was when CGI got to that point now where it wasn't completely laughable, but nothing compared to what it was today. So so CGI was a driving force of this film. People mm-hmm. were like, you can really see Scarabs. I'm going to put this out now. Put this out there. Scarabs, most underrated villain in the history of the world. Because <laughs> when you want shit to die, Scarabs. Yeah. The mummy... Bollocks. I know. There's something about a horde of insects that is so unappealing. You know, like when you're playing the Resident Evil game and like a horde of like something comes at you, locusts or whatever, and you've got a shotgun and you're like, I know it's not going to do anything, but I'm going to unleash a few rounds. Wishing I picked up that flamethrower in the save room just gone. But it yeah, still haunts you, man. The scarabs in this, and we're going to get on to it. But when we go on about uh, Imhotep, the character, Can I mean, I- no wonder he comes back pissed off <laughs> because what they do to that man is so extra. I still, we're going to get into these points that I've made before, but um, really liked this film. And it harks back to when you're watching this film and you see younger generations, because I'm in my my mid-30s, and when I see people talk about this film, and it's got a great following, not a cult following, it's got a great following. Mm. It's Indiana Jones for the next generation, pissing them out in ancient ruins, messing about curses. Obviously, it's a lot more CGI heavy and there's a lot more, you know, mythos and stuff. But it's fun. That mm. kind of era, mate. It's, you know, the 1930s, mate, you could tell a lot of good stories there. Yeah. And this is a weird one with with when you say this, because like I think of, of modern times, there's the John Wick thing. When John Wick came out, now any movie that comes out, somehow John Wick set the bar. Yes. And people go, have even now used it as an adjective. Oh, so yeah, it's very John Wick. Yeah. You know, because of the, the body. Defining, yeah, yeah. The, the body counts so high, the action's so slick. The soundtrack, the, the style, whatever it is, people go. Oh, you know. um, Indiana Jones set the gauntlet so high that any mm. action adventure, globe trotting adventure with dashing young leads in it is always going to be compared to it. And for some reason, the mummy is slightly tarnished by some people that are like, oh, it's a nineties, the Indiana Jones. When it's okay to that. do that with any other genre, like you could take Alien as a blueprint to make an Alien movie. You can take the Terminator to make it a blueprint for an action sci-fi film. You can do that with all of them, but for some reason, Indiana Jones owns it. Owns it, and it, you know, and, and National Treasure was smart. It, National but, Treasure yes. was very smart with how it tackled that. Um, but <laughs> it is it is a shame because I don't think that's worth tarnishing. I love action adventure movies. I love films that are on these sweeping landscapes. I love a film. I like Jungle Cruise, James. There's something about that 1920s, I, 1930s kind of, we've got to go upriver and do a mission with some tribes or some Aztecs or, you know, some indigenous folk, get back with it, learn some lessons along the way. And very much, you can't, Jack Whitehall's character in that is very much John Hanna from this movie. Yes. So they do imitate, they do have a blueprint to him. But... Um, I can't believe I bought Jungle Cruise up. I said I wasn't going to. I'm sorry. <laughs> every week. Every week you say you're not going to bring it up. One thing I do love about The Mummy, Indiana Jones, and all those other films, National Treasure, is that money is no object. Oh, yeah. They're on, like, yeah. oh, the map. The map leads to the middle of the Sahara. Quick, to the plane. Yeah. I would be like, I don't um, know if I've got it in savings. Is this? my passport in date? I don't really know. Have I got a, Have I got the luggage? Have I got the wear, the clothes? Does my travel insurance cover ancient curses? Yeah. <laughs> 
what if we come up against Scarrows? Because trust me, mate, the Scarrows body count got high in this film. <laughs> you don't want to... I think I wouldn't survive because I wouldn't be able to I'd figure out the logistics. <laughs> I feel like if I was on this... If I was on this expedition mm. and I turned to the I turned to my guy, you, and go, they giving you a name yet? And they went, no. It was like, well, let's fuck off then because we're definitely dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I just laughed so much with this movie where they kind of go back and forth. And it, National Treasure is the same where like the, he literally leaves him to die in the Arctic. And it's like, next scene in a in a university. <laughs> just, we'll skip the part of how we got home. Money's no object, mate. Yeah. He can't his other private jet. Again, Indiana like- Jones, though, smart, works at university. Yes. has that university dollar. Yes. I've got to go. And for paying for this university, I will steal an artifact. <laughs> I will rob grapes. <laughs> that will bring it back. And then we will study it. <laughs> I'm not above stealing these magical artifacts. I mean, fuck that, mate. Yeah. I'll go. I'll do it. Um, going into this, love the mummy. Love the mummy. It's, it's campy, actiony, fun. It's a good Brendan Fraser. Always forget about Rachel Vice. Now, we, the lovely Nola. Great, ca- great, great chemistry. Great chemistry. Too. She said the first two mummies. We're going to talk about the second one towards the end. Mm. Not as in-depth as we're going for the first mummy. So, you ready, Aaron? I am, I am. Should we um, Should we start with just a bit of an overall oh, synopsis? Hit me with your synopsis of, of, <laughs> of blue ball demo tap, desperate to get late. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to lift uh, one straight off IMDb. An archaeological dig in the ancient city of... And I am going to butcher a lot of names. Hamanaptra, mate. That's the one. Uh, an American serving in the French Foreign Legion accidentally... <laughs> I don't get that. They just need to get him there, don't they? <laughs> they just need to get Brendan Fraser somehow in How's Egypt. How's Foreign French Legion, that'll do. He accidentally wakes up a mummy who begins to wreak havoc as he searches for the reincarnation uh, of his lost love. That's... You know what? That's that's nice. And when you... So, Imhotep is played... And I just want to talk about this. Is talked about John Voslow. Now he is, and I, he's got a villain's face. It's Arnold Voslow. Oh, it is Arnold. I've put John twice. You're right. It's Arnold Voslow. Arnold Voslow is never going to be your lead in a rom com. <laughs> he is going to be, he's always going to be, that's not Billy Zane. <laughs> that's the other one. <laughs> and I just feel sorry for him because in this, mate, he's he pretty much half naked all the time. Mm. Bit buff. Doesn't say a lot. I like this because he, he robs he robs skin, eyes, tongs, livers, muscles, everything off people. It's so no close. clothes. <laughs> It's like loincloth, still in. <laughs> but then again, they all they're all sweating in that movie. They are sweating. Not Imitip though, because Ah, oh, because he used to it. He knew I never about, even thought about that. He knew about the loincloth technique. Now, um Arnold Voslo, yeah, I think um got the part immediately, one audition, because yeah. he came in and played it straight. He wanted to go for a Romeo and Juliet type of he was playing it straight. He didn't mm. want to be hammy out he wanted I'm going for my long last love. And and you can't you can't go up against the thirty two Boris Karloff. That was and that's yes. a big thing that this film and everyone producing it, directing it, starring in it was trying to distance itself from the original Mummy movies. Where you're right, if he came out kind of covered in bandages, you know, Ooh. yeah, it just wouldn't work. And so he played it straight, and I I think it's I think it's infamous. I mean, it's up there with season two of twenty four. Though he is the villain, in season four. I thought he was season two. No, season, season four. four. Season four. He's the Jack Bauer terrorist. Like yeah. every time they get him, he's like, "That wasn't my plan." Oh, I thought he was. <laughs> His season plan in the two. end is to like kick someone in the shin. It's, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But um, gotta say, I, Brendan Fraser is brilliant in this. But he's got the nice curtains. You, you, you can't pull a curtain off now, mate. <laughs> Remember yeah. the last time you saw a pair of curtains? But today I watched. I watched what? I, I was watching um, a Jim Carrey movie that isn't that old. Oh. Uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Yeah, it was on telly. I was, oh. you know, I've got a little kid, and um, and I was like Jim Carrey rocking the kids. He's oh. kept them curtains going. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? 
Oh, we should just say that the BAFTAs are on and still no one gives a shit. <laughs> uh, Rachel Wise, think of this where the film I kind of discovered in it. I would say that she's she's brilliant. I love Rachel Weisz in a lot of things. Um, always takes time as well. She doesn't, you, she doesn't pop up and everything. She only ever seems to pick her and, and uh, pick her projects well. But John Hanna is perfectly cast mm. as the comedic value of the film. A great one-liners, great presence. And I would say that carries on through the, the franchise. John Hanna puts out a performance very un-John Hanna-like. Didn't, yeah, and didn't, didn't want to do a comedy. Didn't get the part for a comedy. He turned up on set and was like, oh, I'm the comic relief. So yeah. apparently a lot of the actors in this film didn't know what they were going for. Brendan Fraser said halfway through filming, is this a horror action or a romance? I don't know. And, and yeah, John Hanna took the comedic sidekick role not knowing that that's what he signed up for. And he pulled the director to one side. It's like, am I doing this? And he was like, yeah, I'm not a comedy actor. But it kind of works it being out of your comfort zone somewhat. Rachel Vice is great as well. I think you're right. Every time she pops up in something. She is. I, I, she also brings, she always brings performance that's so good in films that definitely don't deserve it. Mm. Like she's always, I'm talking about the moment returns, which I think is a terrible <laughs> film, but she's so she's so solid in it. She's like, she's, she's going for an Oscar in a yeah. really shit film. You could, you could, you could also look at this movie like, like, you know, time, time does this to us where we move on as society and in culture. And you could look back at this performance and think she is somewhat a damsel in distress that needs saving. Yes. And her, her, in her arsenal is to just kiss Imhotep anytime that he's, um, he's distracting. He's mate. distracting is, you know, and, and so you could say that. And, the film also is tarnished a little bit for um, what they call uh, or what has been phrased as as Arab bashing as well mm. in cinema, which is where if your Nazis aren't the bad guy, yeah, Arabs are, and and so and sometimes, sometimes, right, both, and <laughs> yeah, but in this one, there are a few times where they go out of the way to say someone smells, and it and it's you know it's one of those characters, or, family, and they, they're seen yeah. as spitting all the time, and and so it does have a little bit of a dark history. It's dark got a bit of the nineties in it. it. It is the nineties, is yeah, it I is think it's, is that is, is where we're going with it. But Universal wanted to make a reboot of of um, a mummy film for ages. Do you know that it was actually first discussed in, in the 1980s. That doesn't surprise me. I, I just don't understand how you didn't get this out. George A. Romero was attached. Oh, I love that. George A. Romero was attached to bring the mummy back to the screens. And then the studio wanted something a little bit more like the Terminator. So Romero <laughs> left. When he departed, Clive Barker I've was heard attached. This. Have you heard what they said about it? They were just like, no, it yeah. haunts me. Because it was because he added, he injected a load of extra violence and sex. Shocking. <laughs> who would have thought it from the guy who made Hellraiser? <laughs> then Joe, it's if you're not tempted though, because because I read the storyline, the storyline was that Cortis tried to create a new temple in the middle of New York City. And I was like, different. Mm. Also, kind of what they did in Hellraiser 4. <laughs> just, just keep turning it. Where it really lost itself. <laughs> keep fucking turning it. Joe Dante from Gremlins uh, then pitched an idea where he had this Daniel Day-Lewis in the helm. This is... Right, you're chopping that halfway through because I cannot deal <laughs> with that. But that first part, when you look at the mummy and the idea of it, it's such a Joe Dante film. You're like, Joe Dante made this yeah. film. But fuck off, Daniel Lewis. Yeah. Can you imagine the mummy winning an Oscar? Because it would have done. <laughs> <laughs> um, it had rewrites, challenges, getting the green light, and, and eventually, I mean, it was paused, but then Stephen uh, Summers finally came on board and said that he was going to make a romantic action movie that yes. was that was The Mummy. Um, in part, you can tell because Imhotep doesn't come into it until halfway through the film. We get a very quick... Um, oh, this is the beginning, but yeah, don't, th don't this worry is, for This is what happened like, <laughs> thousands of years ago. And um, 
And then, uh, yeah, 90 minutes in, we're then actually going to, well, it's about an hour in, it's two hours and four this movie. So we have to wait a full hour before he's reincarnated and brought he back to life. Does, still doesn't really do anything. <laughs> and he's CG for the most of it. But that gives us Arnold uh, Voslo as, uh, you know, in, in quality, not quantity, I mm. guess, in, in when he actually has a face. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, he looked warmer when he had no skin. <laughs> he did, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a phase there's a phase I like it's I would say it's kind of number two where yeah. um, you're starting to see a bit of him but he's still very much moulds yes um, I, li- I like I like when I think it's two point five when he's still mostly mould mm. but bugs now he, he started to eat bugs that randomly <laughs> jump jump in his mouth for no reason which I thought must have been a reference to Raiders of the Last Art with a guy eats a fly. You know, yeah, by yeah. mistake. And yeah. I was like, well, Imhotep just eats a bug. I mean, that, that scene was so <laughs> villainous. He actually ate a fly in that scene. <laughs> Honestly, if you haven't seen it, Google Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just, just eats, he just eats the fly. Well, does he eat the fly or does the fly think, fuck, I'm done. <laughs> this heat is killing me. And Kill he just commits suicide <laughs> by flying into someone's mouth. Um, he just, just saw, he just saw yeah. some water, mate. He's like, fuck it. Unfazed. That should have got the Oscar. He should have done. That, you know, the, what, the fly? <laughs> <laughs> contribution to cinema. That guy's so villainous though because he smiles afterwards. He's just yeah. mate, you just, he likes I to thought it was affordable. You just say a fucking fly, <laughs> dickhead. If he turned into a spider after that, <laughs> I would have been like, just, oh, you see it just, just cuts to Jeff Goldblum as the fly. <laughs> yeah. um, Brad Pitt, Ben Affleck, Tom Cruise all turned down the role. Fraser was uh, enjoying the success of George of the Jungle. Lucy Shaw is a great comically under. Valued, film. yeah, yeah. Well, back in the day, it's probably crap now. And John Cleese is a gorilla. That's that one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, I fucking hell, I just swallowed my tongue, mate. Oh, god, I completely <laughs> forgot John Cleese was the voice of the gorilla. Yeah, he was. And just before Fraser put on that bigger price tag, the studio mopped him up quickly to get this movie. Um, yeah, let's go with it. Just actually, why are you talking about that as well? Before I forget, the the, the scene, you know, where Imhotep's, um, he's like. He's he's still very much mouldy. He's got some yes. eyes. He's found some eyes in the top. I think like his forehead and between his nose. One before that, to... but when, oh, when, when he goes to the, when he goes to the hotel and he's like, I can't go around like this. I look I look yeah, suspicious. So he, so he puts on a Leonardo DiCaprio time mask. Yeah, he's just. I borrowed this from the King of France. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. I right. tell you what though, I do point this out. What I love about that. No, do you know what? I'll, I'll save it. I will save it. I'm going to tell you now, mate. There are some flaws. <laughs> film hasn't hasn't held up that there's well. There's a few. There's, there's a few things also that don't make sense. Also, do you know why we jump with the gun a bit? You know why he has to kill the four people to fully yes. regenerate? Yeah. And at the beginning, that guy, you know, unfortunately, um, I forgot his name now. The the first one to go, he's like, he's, he's got my eyes on my tongue. Yeah. Like <laughs> still still able to speak perfect English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my penis. He took it. I don't know why he took it first. <laughs> That's the guy I'm gonna talk about. Because what I really like about this is Imhotep. Obviously, very angry, mate. Books are meeting him with him. <laughs> he's still like, don't come knocking on his, they don't come like, you know, kill his family. He's like, could you sell for me in? And mm. he talks to him and the guy's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then, and then he just like, eats him. It's like, that's a bit extra. Other ones, mate, don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imhotep, polite. Mm. Um, right. So in the year 2090, High Priest Imhotep is giving it to a Noxala moon. Can we just stop there, James? Behind. <laughs> no, <sighs> no, let's just stop there because I, I think it is worth a special mention. Yes. Um, just going to, where's my notes gone? We talked about Brandon Fraser, Rachel Vice, John Hanna, Patricia Balasquerez. Yes. Who, who plays, plays an Oxalum. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For this PG movie. <laughs> Thank you for being in the first five minutes of a PG movie when I was 13. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so she's married. 
Right, sorry. So, so in the year 29, high priest Imhotep is giving it to Anuk Solomon behind her husband's back. But who is the husband? It's only the pharaoh. Mm. What I love about this, mate, they're getting it on. He smudges her, smudges her body, Michael. Mm. Pharaoh comes in. Imhotep obviously wants to hide. He doesn't want, want to be brazen. Yeah. Instantly notices a smudge, immediately goes, you must be banging someone else. Not like you've knocked yourself. <laughs> you've not. You've not accidentally brushed yourself against what is a lot of fucking silk curtains in this room. No, he immediately goes, you've been banging someone. Who is he? Imhotep, mate. Straight out there going, right, well, well got to kill him. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, no, he's got to die. So that happens immediately. So when he discovers the affair, the, the two respond by killing him. The fairest gods, the Magi, uh, guards, the Magi, try to arrest the priest, but he is squirreled away by his other priest. She kills herself. You will not touch me anymore. Kills herself. Nice little use of shadow. Very because we can see her, you know, three quarter nude. Yes, thank you again, uh, Patricia. Yes, but, um, but not. But we can't herself. see her stab no. herself. No, so we see the shadow work with this bit. Also, didn't realise this until this week. Mirrored how Imhotep at the end walks into a sword to die, which, which when you when you think about it, it makes no sense. But mm. okay, right. So Imhotep breaks into a crypt and takes her to Hamunaptra, the city of the dead. And plans to resurrect her, but is once again cock blocked by the Magi. <laughs> Gonna put this out there. This is the one thing that the Magi do right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. They are the most useless guards ever in film. Oh, they were the stormtroopers, mate. <laughs> shit. I read a I read a thing online that was like, um, the issue with this movie is the fact that uh Imhotep was a, was alive one thousand three hundred years before that particular pharaoh, and he wasn't a high priest, he was an architect. He actually was an architect who designed the pyramids. I don't even know why we're bothering to do this film, if that's true. <laughs> um, as punishment, Imhotep's priests are mummified alive, which is pretty gruesome anyway. Meanwhile, Imhotep is tortured, cursed, and buried alive with flesh-eating insects. The Medjai lock him away and swear that they will never let anyone free him, because if they did, Imhotep would be a walking disease, a plague on mankind, an unholy flesh eater with the strength of ages, power over the sands, and the glory of invincibility. Why? Mm. <laughs> Why don't you just fucking stab him in the head? What you've done here is you've just created your own problem. If they cut his head off, no, we're not going around going fucking hell, William Wallace, don't touch his grave because he'll come back and fuck up England. No, we chopped his head off and we fucked off. Here, they're like, give him magical, if he comes back from the dead, give him magical well, powers. I think the English actually quartered William Wallace. You're right. I, we split him in four. I, I apologise. And then we took his arms and legs in different areas. We took some to Wales, some to Scotland, some went down to the south of England. <laughs> Would you? Because we were afraid he might come back one day. <laughs> would, you, would you go? Say you reverse. Someone goes, I've got William Wallace's knees over there. You'd be like, yeah, all right. No. I'm looking at you. <laughs> you Bullshit would. is that William Wallace's knee. I saw it, I saw it years ago in a pub. <laughs> it was knobbly. That's not knobbly <laughs> enough. Bullshit. He had two kneecaps. Where's the other? On his left leg. <laughs> Where's that Brighton? Well, fuck you, pack up. <laughs> Yeah, I think he, I think he was quoted, but um, yeah, Imhotep here. I mean, they create a villain. Somehow. They create their own villain, which turns out to be a massive problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and also it's really extra, as I said it's at the so top. Of it. It's like mummy finds one thing, burying alive is another. Cutting his tongue out before they do it's another. But the Beatles, the Scarabs, is a bit more in it. Yeah, yeah. That that really says I don't like you. Well, so. I did read an article on the internet because apparently I'm not the only one who's come up with this plot hole. And someone said it's because they wanted his suffering. They gave him these powers so he would suffer being eaten for eternity, which is why when he shows up later, he's a bit still a bit juicy. Mm. However, I can understand that. It's the extra powers that you've given him that will make it a bit harder to do later. Yeah. Or 
they're very nondescript. They, they don't write in, don't open. No. <laughs> Do not open, evil curse. They don't write any of this on there. Idiots. Do you know what as well? Like Rachel Vice in this later on, after they've opened the, the tomb, when they're all like chilling by the campfire, like, she's like, look at these dried scarab beetles that were in there with him. Like, wash your hands, Rachel Vice. <laughs> Do you know what they've been through? She, she notoriously doesn't wash her hands. No, she notoriously doesn't. Fast forward to 1926, where we meet Rio, Rick O'Connor, Rick O'Connell, a member of the French Foreign Legion who is engaged in a fight with alongside his cowardly friend, Benny, who abandons his post and leaves Rick to die. Rick is able to fight back an army of the other people, never defined, there's people fighting. <clears throat> I think we're supposed to think they're the Magi again, aren't we? Oh! Oh, I didn't get that. I just thought they were having a fight. I think they're the Magi trying to stop them from being at ah. where they are, the, the, the city of the dead. I just thought they were shit because obviously you see the Magi later having a look. Anyway, um, he surrenders. Uh, when he gets surrounded, he surrenders. However, the horses start freaking out and a face roars itself into existence on the sandy floor. This understandably freaks Rick the fuck out who legs it away. While this is going on, they are being watched from afar by the lead Magi warrior, Ardeth Bay awesome name, who underestimates Brendan Fraser, just like the movie critics, <laughs> and says the desert will kill him. But it doesn't, because it's Rick O'Connell, mate. It doesn't. Now it's time to meet Evelyn, who smashes the shit out of a library, and whose brother Jonathan likes to hang out in crypts just on the off chance he can scare his sister shitless. <laughs> so she's famously trying to get a book from the top shelf. Mate, I don't know about you, but... Acrobatics is what I look for in a librarian. <laughs> Someone who can go with that extra. Knocks down all the pillars, mate. Knocks quite, them all down. It's quite a funny intro. I mean, I, I remember intro. watching this, and and I did, I did Clumsy. find myself, I did find myself thinking, oh, that's, that's going to be a shit to tidy all I, that up, isn't it? How old are you now when you start thinking, how much is that going to cost you to put back? Because you can't just raise it yourself. Also, mm. if they're using the the Dewey Decimal System, who's in charge of putting that back together? I, I Not also her, presumably. I mean, she, <laughs> she did it. <laughs> I also like to think as well. Surely the person who orchestrated the placings of them uh, bookcases probably was like, do you know what, if someone knocks one down... Legit funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Legit, if this happens, I'm going to be fucking roaring, But I like mate. that intro. You know, it's, it's a nice whimsical start, isn't it, to, to our... Uh, to our heroine yeah. in this movie. I, you know, the acrobatic point where she's on top of the ladder. It's cool. I like it. It's... It's t- taking you away from the desert, hasn't it? Yes. From, from, you know, faces appearing in sands, which I don't get. So who was that face in the sand? I assume that's Imhotep. But he's in a tomb still at this point. Oh, mate, Plow. <laughs> he, he screams out for because the Plow. That, that's, the, that's the film that I want to see, is who's God in this place if that face appears? And the, the Magi, you know the people not doing anything? <laughs> Them. <laughs> what I love about Jonathan Hanna as well, so he's hiding out in the crypt. So he hears this massive smash. Stays in the crypt, mate. <laughs> it's like, oh, that sounded... Someone might have died. We can stay here. Jumps out at his sister. Would have been great for someone else. I don't know. Oh, Jonathan, I'm glad you're here. Your sister's dead. <laughs> she, she got a book, bookcase collapsed on her. She's definitely dead. She's got so many paper cuts, she's gone. <laughs> oh, paper cutted to death. Turns out Jonathan stole an intricate box and map that apparently leads to Hamanaptra. He stole it from Rick himself. They take the map to the museum owner who are, who accidentally burns the map. Eric. That's Eric Avari. Yes. Not Eric. Avari plays Dr. Terence Bay in this movie. Terence Bay? Burn some up accidentally, mate. <clears throat> Don't worry about it, it won't come up again. That definitely won't. Um, with no one else to turn to, the brother and sister team up and turn to Mitt Rick and ask him where he got the map. But where is Rick? 
What's happened to him since he's left the Foreign Legion, mate? And it brings me back to the Con Air episode because they don't mention what he did, but we know that he had a very good time. Opens the doors, mate, because Rick is now imprisoned, demands that they get him out of the jail, and then tells them that he found it when he was in Hamanaptra. He kisses Evelyn and punches Jonathan before being hanged. What did he do that is so bad that he needed to hang him? Nonsense, mate. Yeah, I, you don't really get, you don't really kind of find out, do you? You don't Over need there, to. He's rough. He's obviously stolen from someone. He's pissed someone yeah. off. He's had some drinks. It's hairs long now, mate. I mean, John Hannah mentions, doesn't he, that he, he pickpocketed in, a, in yes. a bar fight or whatever. So there's obviously an altercation somewhere Got that Rick O'Donnell was involved in. I think he punches the uh, Hassan, who is the jailer. Mm. That's what I think, because there's obviously a personal animosity there. Anyway, so he's hung. That's uh, Amid uh, Dijali. Yeah, he's very comedian. funny. Very, comedian, very funny, yeah. yeah. I mean, he doesn't die instantly, his neck doesn't snap, and Evelyn negotiates with the jailer and has to tell him what Rick knows. This obviously inspires the jailer to join them on their journey because everyone's heard about Hamanaptra, but no one knows where it is. And then you get your Motley crew. So this is brother, sister, Hassan, the jailer, Rick. They're going to find the Wizard of Magic <laughs> or whatever Imhotep shows out to be. So that, that hanging scene, that's that's the scene where Brendan Fraser actually... yeah. Actually hung. And they thought he was great acting. He was yeah, like, it was no, like, fucking Oscar, Oscar. George of the Jungle's like, <laughs> I'm really convinced right now. Look at his eyes bulging. I'm actually dying. That <laughs> happens more often than you think. In The Prestige that happened, mm. with, um, I can't remember the entrance's name, but she, in the tank at the beginning of the film, and they... Was she, it The Prestige or was it Now You See Me? Which is in the water tank. It's a shame. I wish it was nice because everyone should have died in that film. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> is it the Isla Fisher one where she's... Oh, I thought it was. I apologise then. Maybe it was Now You See Me. I think it is that film where she's in the water tank and she's actually saying, get me out. And they're like, fuck it, she's good. She's so good. She's genius. Look how she acts with no air. (laughs) (laughs) On board a boat, the heroes of our story meet the most evil and stupid of all characters, Americans. Mm. (laughs) Jonathan Hyde as well. And I'd seen Jumanji, mate. Fucking hell. Van Pelt, mate. He's he's formidable in that movie. He's the Englishman of the Americans. They are also planning to join the hunt for Hamanaptra and are confident as they have someone with them who has also been there before. Oh, who could it be? If only we knew of a character that had survived at the beginning of the film. Rick then discovers that the guide is his old friend, shy surprise Benny, whom he throws overboard. <laughs> Pretty much immediately. Just- I, I like this scene. I, not that scene, not that bit, but not this the, whole, I like bird, the whole boat scene. Hmm. That you know, when we go back to you know the nineteen twenties, you know into the thirties, Jungle Cruise, mate. You fucking. I've done it again. Stop it, man. But I like that. That like strangers. It's very. It's very Poirot, isn't it? It is. Yes. You know, on on the riverboat, the steamboat going up river. You know, or or death on a Nile. On, you know, in Cairo. But I like that. You kind of strangers on a boat meeting on decks and and then going like you know to the bar or whatever. And it's it's a oh. great setup. It's a great set piece to get you to where you need to go and it's, it does a great job of introducing the secondary characters which will play a bigger part later on and you get to know just enough about them that you know that they'll play a part but you know that you're not supposed to give a shit about them like don't get emotionally mm. invested they're Americans yeah <clears throat> but then you also get a really good so start of the rom comness, if you will uh Rachel Weiss's character, Evelyn, asks why she got kissed. And he was, and he gives like a genuinely good answer, which probably wouldn't hold up nowadays, but he just goes, I genuinely thought they were going to kill me. <laughs> so I thought, why not? <laughs> it was you or your brother, and you were closer. <laughs> one of you was getting punched. One of the great kisses on smashes outside. But Benny is just the smart one getting off. Oh, sorry, can we just go back to the thing? Like, he's like, he made it. 
Rick's not about second chances, mate. He goes to shoot Benny for leaving him to die in the desert. But then, out of the goodness of your heart, decides, no, I won't show you. I will, however, throw you overboard in the middle of a river where you could still possibly <laughs> I, die. I hope you can swim. <laughs> but it just turns out that Benny's the first one off. As it turns out, those sneaky Magi are on board and try to find the key. They are discovered, a fight breaks out, which ends with the boat being on fire, everyone fleeing, a big shootout where the Americans come into their own. I don't really like this. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. They're just there and you see them and they're having a good time. They're literally shooting everyone. Rick's getting out. They all abandon ship. Rick, Rick and his team split up. They've done a, they've done a deal. They've done, they've done a bet with Benny's group. The first one to get there needs to pay the other one 500 bucks. Do you, um, do you know uh, Benny's character? Yeah. Uh, Kevin, who is it? Kevin O'Connor. Joe O'Connor. He's such a great smarmy cock. He is. He played Igor in the yes. Van Helsing movie that yeah. Stephen Summers then went on to. Yeah, do. definitely, yeah. It makes sense. It does it, make it, sense. It, it, in a weird, like, I... Fuck me. I didn't know Summers did a Van Helsing, though. Yeah, he did the oh. he did the Jack he did the Hugh Jackman Van Helsing movie. Oh my god, I do remember them saying that because that was the big selling point. It's obviously the guy from the Mummy. He's doing Van Helsing. Oh, I know. And when you think oh, of sorry. like how long it took, this is the thing with Universal. You think how long it took the Mummy to come out, and then they're like, "I Frankenstein, go for it." That sounds like a winner. <laughs> Just do it. Van Helsing, have all the characters. <laughs> go for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'll give you characters on your characters. Yeah. <laughs> Just buy Dracula, get Frankenstein free. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just, just make, just, We've got him. You can have him. But you can only have him for the beginning. Oh, yeah. okay. Can I be an angel at the end? And yes. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I, love, I love that at the end. When, when no one ever talks about it in Van Helsing. He's like, he's a werewolf. But at no point goes, like, yeah, he's the angel Gabriel, which never comes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just in that movie, it's like, here he is. He's, he's Jekyll and Hyde. He's massive with a giant cigar. How did that work? Did he carry that around with him? <laughs> we would, on our, on our Halloween episode where we, we did a massive battle royale, I think Esther said to me, he's like, oh, we were slagging off the film Van Helsing. And she went, why don't you do that? And I genuinely thought of the go fuck herself. I, <laughs> I will never do that. Film. I tried watching it. <laughs> Remember when we did an episode, we did an episode on the podcast that was films so bad, we revisited them to see if they were genuinely bad or yes. if we were just in a bad mood when we watched them. Yes. Which, in hindsight, I think that was a, a really good idea for an episode. In that Revisit a film that you've watched once that you thought was shit. And you you've and decided to never go back, but, yeah, could, but you could be in the wrong. You could have been, yeah, yeah. And I got 10 minutes in the Van Helsing. I was like, I knew I was fucking right. I knew it. I knew it. I turned it off. I couldn't do it. Oh, I don't blame you. Everyone eventually makes it to Hamanaptra, City of the Dead. The Americans are led by an Englishman. The only thing worse than an American. And he says they'll find something because Rick's team are only led by a woman. Yeah. Ugh. After some tension, like nearly shooing each other... <laughs> The two groups decide to split up. The Americans force their workers to open a section of wall that covers them in acid, while Evelyn and co. are nearly destroyed by a tomb when Jonathan is playing golf. <laughs> yeah, lots Which happening. Is a sentence. I never thought I'd write. Lots happening in this first episode. Yeah. You know that bit as well, though, where Brendan Fraser's like, I know you don't need a map because I know, I know where it is. It's all up yeah. here. He points to his temple. Yeah. And then he takes him to a horizon. Sun comes up. Mm. City appears. Yeah. I'm going to believe it. It's a mystical movie. Yeah. What I don't believe is the next bit where three camels outrun horses. <laughs> now, I don't know a lot about land speed animals, James. I know the ostrich is pretty fast. I know the cheetah is pretty fast. Yeah. 
If I was going to put money on a camel or a horse, and I only say this because we have horse racing. I'm just, I'm going to tell you now, mate. And we don't have camel racing. I know there's camel racing in parts of the world, but I think a horse could take a camel. I'm not joking. I think I've read the theory on why this happened. I hope it's because they're still bogged down from the water that they've been in. So when the Americans you, are heavier. So when you see that scene, Benny says, I've got all the horses when they're on different then the different sides of the um, river. Yeah. And Rick says, "I'm on. You're on the wrong side of so the river. So they're tired, are they? They're more tired because they have Shut, further to travel. No, and camels no. obviously hide the moisture in the humps. Apparently, that's not true, but it's something that we as a species have learned to accept. <laughs> this lie that yeah, camels are fine because of the water in the humps. So put them in the desert, and that's why. I'm not having it. We go this little extra on this <laughs> podcast for you. It. I'm not it. I'm having it on a good day with a downwind. That horse is still taking that camel." <laughs> It was, it was the plot expectation on the horse. That's why I couldn't do it. But then that doesn't make sense. That Oh, no, it does. Fuck it. <laughs> Surely the writers, though, in the director would have been like, we really need to make it clear why the camels are winning. <laughs> do, do you know what I do like about Rick as well? Before he gets here, so we're on the wrong side of the river, they buy these camels. He buys these camels. And we learn, like, he gets asked throughout the start of this film, it's like, well, why are you doing this? Why are you going back to home and up to this place that you hate? It's like, because she saved my life. In the scene later, so after the scene where, where Benny goes, oh, why are you doing this? He's like, oh, she saved my life, so I'm going to take it out. In this scene that happens afterwards, he's like, yeah, so you, so your sister. Well, <laughs> it's like, fucking hero, maybe? I, I don't know. Let's just she, pretend he was joshing, because if not, Rick's got a fucking dark side. Killed his best friend, like, immediately. <laughs> Wants to settle a woman. Rick, mate, might be the bad guy. But he did buy three tur- turbocharged camels. <laughs> or five, with, potentially. With Noz, mate. <laughs> Have you seen, seen the trailer for Fast and Furious 6? Ten. Ten, yeah. I don't know any of the characters in it. Uh, Jason uh, Momoa's in it. I know, playing the villain. But I think all the villains are now good guys because I'm fairly certain John Cena was at the barbecue. He was a brother, wasn't he? <laughs> I think he was the villain in the last, I think. I'm, I'm going to have to rewatch him at some point. The day's going to come when someone's going to go, are you doing the Fast and Furious franchise? I feel like we'll have to do it. We'll I have do, to step up. I do feel like we're going to have to find exactly where in the 10 movies it lost itself. <laughs> I feel like for science, because I remember watching the first one. Where thinking, they're stealing DVD players. Yeah, thinking that's pretty reasonable movie, understandable. It end, it, I thought that ending was really good. It didn't end in a shootout. It ended with a drag race where yeah. one crashed and... It was like it was you let him get away, yeah. yeah let him get away. That film, I thought, was, it was pretty really good, good for what actually. It was, yeah, 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 yeah. No one would yeah. have thought it was good. I <laughs> yeah. saw, I saw a video, James, because I haven't watched any of the ones after five. <laughs> I saw a video where one of them is hanging from a helicopter, James. Yeah. Well, you and I did see the spin-off, Sean Hobbs, where they use five. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. They use five trucks to bring a chopper down. Um, five trucks and the rocks bicep, James. <laughs> don't, forget, don't forget that. <laughs> The fucking sequel to this film gave the Rockies film career. He's did, the Scorpion yeah. King, isn't yeah. he? Fucking hell. Full circle, back, back when it was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Jesus Christ. Scorpion King was a uh, experience, wasn't it? I had the video game of that. Oh, because this one's the curse. So the second one, Mummy's Revenge. The Return yeah, of the Mummy. No, he's in his concert. It doesn't matter. Return of the Mummy, the Scorpion King's also, in. There's also a prequel as well, isn't it, where... It's the Scorpion King with the Rock having their big. Yeah, rock. the Scorpion King's yeah. the spin-off, and then but the sequel's the Return of the Mummy, where the Scorpion King is the villain. He's in the beginning, and then there's a CGI fuck fest at the end. In the, in the well, end. they didn't finish it, did they? They had to get it to the cinema, so it's unfinished CGI as well. Because I'm certain if it was finished, it'd be much better. <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> Still don't understand why they didn't just have the, the Rock I'm instead just... of instead of 
the the snake. It would have been cheaper to <laughs> oh, scorpion. To, to, <laughs> it would have been. What was I remember? Yeah, scorpion. It would have been cheaper to sellotape some legs on the rock. Do you know what I mean? Like, look, just just waggle your scorpion tail. Around. That's it. Just the rock, normal, hundred percent normal scorpion tail. I would have watched that. I would still believe he's a scorpion. One claw. <laughs> I'm going to compromise. One claw and a stinger. And that's just Coffee King. He doesn't need to be 20 foot like Godzilla. Because that doesn't make sense. <laughs> they would have saved so much money. If they're like, if you just had a crab hand. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> She's just giving them a crab hand. Right, right, I swear to God, if we, ever, if we ever get our hands on a time machine, I'll go back and do that for society. I'll do it for the world. I'll, I'll whisper in the director's ear. I'll be like, look, just give him the claw. And the stinger. That's all he needs. Are we talking about the mummy still? While all the discovery is happening, Hassan finds some jewel-encrusted statues of scarab beetles. They turn to life and show why they are the legit badasses of this film. Burrowing under his skin, getting into his head in a very of-the-time CGI, CGI. In a panic, he runs headfirst into the wall, killing himself instantly in one of the most badass deaths I've ever seen. In this PG movie. In, in fucking wait. It's the, the scarab don't kill him. The scarab gets his hands on his controller. That's like, I'm going to make you run at 30 miles an hour into this wall and break your neck. It's fucking brutal. That night, as they mourn the passing of the world's greatest warden, they are attacked by the Mechai once again, this time sending everyone, all the men. If you've not got a name, you're going to die. But apparently they don't, because there's gunfire, sword fights and horses, but the edge, the Mechai kill no one. <laughs> Rick lights a, a stick of dynamite, and the Mechai, who would die for their beliefs, decides to fuck off. Yeah. So he does have a bit of stalemate there, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, but... If he, if he dies, if he blows up the dynamite, they'll die as well. So the mm. Medjai are supposed to be like, we'll die for this curse. No, no, no they don't. So Odide Fierre, who plays that role, who, top three movies straight away off the bat. If you say Resident Evil, I'll punch you in the face. Resident Evil number three. <laughs> this number two. Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. He in plays number the gigolo, one spot. Yeah. He does, yes, yeah. he does. He likes his fish in that movie. Can I just say that that film career is one of the most depressing film careers I've ever seen. For an actor that I thought was quite right in this film, there's a scene later, out of context, where he's strapped to a plane and he looked quite delighted. He looked like he enjoyed it, yeah. <laughs> it beats his day job, doesn't he? Just waiting around a fictional city. So he gave he gives them one day to get out, otherwise they'll come back and kill him. But if I don't know, if if I'm the other people, I'm like, I'm fairly sure I could take him. I'd also be like, don't fuck around with that. You can do anything in here. Yeah, you can touch like, anything. Like, like, seriously, legitimately, don't do it. Don't, like, don't go get the that. gold, but don't, you know, this coffin, just, just leave it be. Have anything else. This and the, the, and the scarab, stay away from that. Just, just, seriously, stay away. They're the real killers. But he doesn't. He just says, you've got a date or we'll come back and kill you. But if I'm the American or if I'm Rick or if I'm, even if I'm John fucking Anna, I'd be like, probably have it. It's, it's fine. <laughs> the next day, the Americans uncover a cursed box, which causes all the slaves and Benny to run away. They open it and find a black book, the book of the dead mm. and four statues which the Americans start jizzing themselves at, not knowing that they contain organs. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Yeah, that is a bit weird, isn't it? Almost as if it's going to come up again. Right, so so when Imhotep's resurrected, he needs to find the people who opened it because they represent his organs and he needs to take them back. So what I don't understand is, if one person opened it, would 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 he only get like 
one of the statues or do they get all of them? Or, uh, is it, or do you give the statues to people? They're, they're, um, they're her organs, aren't they? Why? Yeah, when she get when she's killed, her she's her organs are taken and split and divided because he's put in a life. That he very true. much has his organs he does have when his mummified. He, he has does his tongue have, taken but he out. He does have his eyes. You are correct. Yeah. So um, I, I think, love the I love that means that means we'll let him see what happens, but I don't want to hear him. Yeah, I don't want to hear him scream. Leave a light on down there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he also leave his fingers, mate, because he scratches stuff in the coffin, which I think would be the mate. I'm off that he age might now. Niche. He might. They're not animals. Well, I'm just thinking that if you, his, his nails would be long, if he scratches that in, and you like, you think about his broken nail, he cracked it up. Oh, ugh. Mm. oh no, that's not for me, mate. That's not for me. That's the thing I found. You know, Silence of Lambs is this horrifying film that like yeah. creeps you out. It's the fingernails in the wall. That's the bit I don't mm. like. I'm like, oh, everything else is fine. Yeah, kill these people, make a suit. I've got no problem with that. But your fingernails in the wall. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you ever see that movie, Stir of Echoes? I have. When they see the, when you see the tragedy scene, you see what happened, and then the young girl's like pushed over, mm. and a fingernail breaks off, and you're like, that's, it's that's things a, like that. Just the, yeah. you know, haunts me. Um, at the same time, Evelyn opens up the sarcophagus and discovers the still juicy remains of Imhotep. Mm. Bet it stunk. What I love about this is they just leave him. Mm. <laughs> they don't put him away. They're just like let him air out. <laughs> we'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be fine. Later that evening. Having all ignored the Medjai's warnings, Evelyn steals the Book of the Dead and reads from it, reawakening Imhotep. This also causes a wave of locusts to descend upon the camp, forcing everyone inside the tombs. In the confusion and stampede, one of the Americans has his glasses smashed and stumbles through the tomb before coming across the mummified corpse of Imhotep, who removes the the guy's tongue and eyes for his own. Evelyn comes across the pair, and the mummy confuses her for a nux or a moon. But to be fair, he's still getting used to these eyes. <laughs> also, I'm going to bring up the sequel now where it turns out that she's the reincarnated daughter of the uh, pharaoh. Mm. Why didn't he go, wait a minute, you, you look familiar. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't you try and kill me before? Anyway. Mr. Mr. Burns, who's the, who's the character, uh, Watkins, who plays him. Um, also, if you were, if you were Imhotep, you wouldn't take... The eyes of the guy who has bad eyes, would yeah, you? That's what. That's the point <laughs> I'm going. It's just like, does he then pick up his glasses? Like, you dick. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, shit down, fucked up. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rick comes in and saves Evelyn as they run away from the scarab, showing why they are the number one killers in this film. Yes, they take yet more names and lives. Oh, right, so, mummy's alive now, mate. Mummy's got some power. But Benny runs smack bang into the mummy now, all kicking off. He's very scared. I do love this about right. This is very good writing. Benny prays to all of the gods. Yeah, he's got he's, all the necklaces. Got all the necklaces. It's good so scene, it's Christianity, that, yeah. got Hindu, basically comes across... There's Buddha on there, yeah. Buddha, he comes across the Star of David and speaks in uh, Yiddish or the Jewish language, I'm not really sure what it is. And Imhotep recognises this as the language of the slaves and spares him, turning Benny into his slave. And I was just thinking, ooh, <laughs> is it? Ooh, <laughs> so on. Just like, oh, I recognise that language. The slave spoke it, you're my slave now, but it does save his life. Mm. does offer Benny some riches. It's like, come work for me and you can have gold. And he shows him gold that's mysteriously appeared in his hand. Cock mm. ring. That's what that was. It's got to be. It's been a while. It's been, yeah. <laughs> it's been away for thousands of years. Just got me knob. And I need to use it now. The Medjai show up and blame everyone else for walking into this big bad and they get the fuck out of Dodge. It's your fault. <laughs> you all swore for thousands of years that you'd never let anyone come back here. 
they have a literal fight in front of it, and you're like, no, nah, fuck it, leave him, he's fine. <laughs> so they come back, you choose to ignore him. What you do when everyone's exploring during the day in the tombs, take all their water and they'll mm. slow them, starve to death. Or it, it, the Magi, mate, are shit. <laughs> I do like that. Brendan Fraser, it's not in this scene, it's later on where Brendan Fraser just he says, he says they uh, they they live in the desert. They praise water, not gold. Yeah, and I thought that was a really good line. In that this is film. a good line. Yeah, and then, but they're also the Jonathan Hyde bit in this as well, where when she reads from the Book of the Dead, and it just cuts to him, and he's like, "Don't read from that book again." Bit earlier, John. Yeah, bit yeah. earlier we could have done with that bit of advice. Also, great timing. Mm. <laughs> like like great, great thematical timing. And the next but... time we see him, he's covered in locusts, yeah. which makes me think he got he got eaten by the locusts. No, you you do actually see a little bit of him. Oh, we know he does come back. Yeah, yeah. You see him because the Medjai there, he's on his knees crying. <laughs> yeah. Which makes you think, what, Which did, was? what did the Medjai do? <laughs> or what did Cock the locusts do? Mate. <laughs> um, so they all go back to Cairo. Everyone is relaxing while Imhotep has booked a meeting with the first American, which is nice. Mm. <laughs> he books a meeting for him and devours him, regenerating his own body. Next, the rivers turn to blood, which understandably freaks everyone out. But Imhotep gets his hands on Evelyn again, but freaks out when he sees a cat. That's your villain, everyone. Scared off by a cat. But not just any cat, mate. A cat that plays the piano. <laughs> if you saw that, if you, if you remember one of the first viral things was that cat playing the piano. Yeah. Fucking shit his pants. Mate, I, I, and this this is where the film really could have took a dark turn. It could have just now cut to Brennan Fraser walking the streets of Cairo collecting cats. Collecting cats. And to make a, a cat suit. A, a cat, yeah. <laughs> cat just one giant, I was about to say a cat, cat launcher. But also he... <laughs> He fashioned a suit out of all the cat skin and he's just got a giant cat on his head. A montage of him collecting, collecting cat piss <laughs> to create some sort of like repellent <laughs> of Imhotep. That would have been badass. But what I love about this later is, I don't mention it, but later he asks the, the lead Medjay why he's afraid of cats and he gives a good reason. It's like, oh, because they're the guardians of the underworld. That's a really cool idea. But then comes a line which completely undoes everything where he goes, when he's at full power, he won't be scared of cats. Like, he'll see a cat and go, do you know what? I could drop a Fuck off, mate. <laughs> Are you content? Just smashes him. Because what I love about this, no matter what happens throughout the rest of the film now, just think that if they had a cat, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It's, it's, really, it's an underdog story about someone overcoming their fear of cats. cats. <laughs> um. She's more of a dog person. I'm going to fucking call off my own joke. <laughs> Evelyn heads back to see her boss, but he's only working for the Medjai. What are the odds? He didn't burn the map by accident. The fucker's been playing the long game. Didn't want them to go to Hamanaptra. Didn't want them to go. But also, when I was reading this, when I was reading Plot Holes in the Full Mate, which is a fucking great, great Reddit subreddit I was in for about two hours yesterday, they mention that that's why the Medjai are so shit, because they don't want to kill Evelyn because Evelyn's boss is actually their guardian because their parents died. So that's why the Magi are a bit shit because they don't want to hurt anyone because he, as the lead Magi, has asked them not to. Yeah. Could have also stopped them. <clears throat> he could have gone, he could have gone, right, you know what? It's real. Mm. Don't go. But the clues are there. I mean, it's you know, he's good writing. I do like that bit where at the beginning of the movie, she, he's like, oh, give me a reason why I shouldn't fire you. And she's like, because I can read hieroglyphs and I can speak like lost languages. And and he's like, yeah, it's probably also because your parents were rich and beneficiaries of, of the, the museum. So yeah, the clues are there. So actually, that reveal towards the end, yeah, was, I was <clears throat> even someone who hasn't seen this film for years. I was I forgot that bit. I forgot that bit, and I forgot about the organs in the little uh, in the little. I'll be honest, figures. I forgot about the cats. I forgot <laughs> I mean, about the cats as well. Yeah. Cat, was, not this bit. It's a bit later. 
when Brendan Fraser kind of uses the cat as a oh, shield, mate. which is a bit shit. Not only that, but they use the best CGI in the film to show to show Imhotep freak the fuck <laughs> out about this cat, mate. Again, no matter what happens, just remember, it could have all been undone. The film, by cat. The film could have read itself. Brendan Fraser comes in with a catapult, James, <laughs> with a catapult. <laughs> What's really furball? This is that the end. It's at the end, he's getting beaten by Imhotep. Imhotep beat piss out of him. Vomits up a cat. <laughs> Smuggled it in. <laughs> Third water cat at him. <laughs> Imhotep. What did you, sorry, what did you do? He's like, what, what's this thing about cats? Well, he saw, the, movie, he saw the film Cats with himself. <laughs> and, and at that point, they all go, we all did. Yeah, yeah. We all did. You know, Mr. Burns is glad he's got no eyes now. <laughs> Can I just say that this is all happening very fast. The, the film doesn't let up. The second act doesn't let up. There's always something happening. Imhotep next shows up at Evelyn's because obviously he was going to. <laughs> right. Um, oh, no, fuck it. I've missed this bit. I do apologise. Imhotep isn't finished yet. He creates a lunar eclipse that doesn't phase anyone, throwing Egypt into eternal night. And no one thinks, bit odd. Bit odd. <laughs> Look at all these asteroids. Rick, sick of this shit, locks Evelyn away and has two Amer- the two remaining Americans guard her. The two Americans that Imhotep wants. Mm. Meanwhile, Imhotep is hunting the hunter from Jumanji down and decides to absorb him and take back the Book of the Dead. Then, for no reason, he releases a swarm of flies into the sea. <laughs> what <a> dick? <laughs> so extra. <laughs> like, no one here is bothered, mate. You've got what you wanted. You wanted that guy's skin. Now we're seeing a lot more Arnold, mate. Arnold's starting to come into it. Imhotep next shows up at Evelyn's house because obviously he was going to because <laughs> he wants to kill the two Americans. One of the Americans went out, though, for fags, I think. He just left. He goes for booze, doesn't he? He goes for booze. Go get me some bourbon with a, with a side of bourbon. A chaser of bourbon. I think he's got a drinking problem. <laughs> it sounds like it. Um, he kills another American and starts getting freaky. But it's stopped by Rick, who just happens to have a cat with him. I feel like we missed an awesome scene of fucking Brendan Fraser hunting cats in the alleys of Cairo. That's the film I want to see. <laughs> Mummy point five. It's just fucking Brendan Fraser with a big sack. Bag. <laughs> Right, sorry, I do apologise. As they flee, they pick up all the other characters because you need them in one place and they run into a horde of men who are under the spill of, uh, spell of Imhotep. The mummy has the final American, <laughs> kills the museum guy and kidnaps Evelyn. In a scene here, right, where they're all trapped against the wall, Imhotep doesn't say anything, it's Benny translating him and they all say, do you know what? If you let us live, we'll give you Evelyn. And Evelyn makes the sacrifice. She goes, and even the, the head magi, Sorry, the museum guy is dead uh, at this stage. They say, no, go with him. Mm. And then you can come find me tomorrow. And then when Imhotep has everything, he's like, kill them all. Like, how did no one not see? Like, I'm not being honest, but Rick's forte isn't future planning. Mm. So it's just like, I'll let you. So the two Americans are, are marked. You guard Evelyn. We need to keep Evelyn safe. Oh, wait, that plan backfired. You go with them and we'll live. And then, but at no point does Imhotep go, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> they just assume they're like yeah he's a man of his word because he, he didn't try to kill us before or anything dickhead I do, I'm, and that's a real letdown because he's, he, he's clearly got the cheat codes to this movie because yeah, he's unlocked uh, unlimited ammo with his guns yes that, them six shooters which are firing bullets <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah and also it's sad to say this point because he's absorbed all the Americans no longer afraid of cats 
I mean, and this is where I lost it, really. Also, don't you think it is a great gateway to the third act? Yes. In 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 a in a movie that is two and a half, two two hours and four minutes long, this scene is like pinnacle to say, now we've got to move towards the end game. The you know, the anti the stakes are higher. Now it's personal. Um you can't just run away and go, let someone else deal with it. Which is probably what I would have done. Remember <laughs> out of the tomb, like, oh shit. I, I would have probably phoned I, I know they, I know technology would be different, but I probably would have gone, Hello, British Empire. Don't know if you've noticed. Mm. Shit's gone down. Yeah. I was just here. <laughs> Send help. <laughs> And do you know what's a great time to bring in a, a new character? This is the beginning of the third act, mate. Mm. We're going to meet Winston. He's a British pilot, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> he's not going to be He's a drunk <laughs> British pirate. No, pilot. Rick, Jonathan, Ardeth Bay, get on his plane, <clears throat> which is a fucking great scene, because they strap two of them to the wings, and seriously, Ardeth Bay's mate's face, he's fucking loving it. Do you think they did rock, paper, scissors for that? Yes. <laughs> I like which one of you is the most useless. Well, you're the head of the Medjide, you've done piss all, but you are John Hannah. So. <laughs> yeah, Hannah, you are on the wing. You're not in this. They fly to Hamanatra, but oh no, Imhotep is creating tidal waves of sand with his face on them, which is definitely extra. He's like, he's like, you don't want anyone else to take credit for that. He's like, no, no, they need to know it was me. <laughs> but I'd like to point out this is the scene they put in the trailer. This was the scene that got a lot of people into it. The sand. Tidal wave of sand with it with uh, let's be honest, not impressive now, but at the time we fucking loving it. We're mm-hmm. all over the place to see Arnold Vuslu's face coming at us like Cleopatra. Completely redid this in a second one with water. Less impressive. No one likes sand. What water is less impressive than sand? <laughs> Everyone really. knows in a that. movie called The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um he cra- so basically it hits the plane, he crashes and Kills Winston. Take a minute for Winston. <laughs> More on the passing of a great. <laughs> what I love about it is this PG film needed to kill someone, but you couldn't be emotionally like attached to the at all. So it's like, oh, this character has just been introduced. He dies. I mean, that is the point where John Hanna really should have gone. Yes. Do you know what I mean? If there's any exit for this guy, <laughs> it's that scene. The three make it to Hamanaptra. Jonathan gets a scarab in him, and the mummy creates other little mummies to go kill Rick and Co. Nice bit here where they where they basically knife it out of him. And I don't know about you, but I imagine I would also want to stick a knife into John Hanna and cut his inner town. <laughs> and also what we've got is we've got the, the creation of other mummies because we need to have action. There's not been enough action. Mm. There's been a lot of running away, but we need some action. Imhotep begins the long, drawn-out process of resurrecting an axe on the moon while Rick discovers a room filled with gold in the world. Oh, so they come across the world... All the gold that they've been talking about, which we haven't seen at any point during this, but we've come across it, and it's every gold film that you are. Every, like, Aladdin, the cave, just nothing but the lamp, but there's all that gold. Harry Potter in that fucking vault with all that gold. If Think of it. It's, Gringotts, uh, mate. Gringotts, mate. But it's very good. It looks like a room of temptation. It's, Again, National Treasure, mate. National Treasure. At the end of that film, that's the gold I want. Yeah, it is. Yo, knowledge is bollocks. Gold. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. But moments later, the mummies attack. The fight rages on while Jonathan finds the Book of the Living, a lovely gold book that has the power of undo. (laughs) (laughs) It's very important to remember that. It's all kicking off. Rick is fighting the mummies. Evelyn fights the undead Anoxalamoon. Right, so the mummified body of Anoxalamoon is awake now. Mm. So why does Evelyn have to die? Because the mummies are alive. I know you're going to say some bollocks, like because the soul needs to transfer, but I'm not being funny. An Oxalamoon is technically alive. I think 
it's probably to follow suit for the fact that Imhotep's needed to absorb four men. Mm. He's needed to like suck out of their men the stuff that he needs. He doesn't need able to, to suck out the, the, the essence of life. That's, that's like he's that's on his he? knees, like sucking. <laughs> and he just he just he needs to just you know he's really, got four men coming at him, yeah. he needs to suck. It's everywhere. <laughs> And I think she needs to do the same. All over the place. <laughs> she needs to do the same in that she needs to donate some skin, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> is what because also you've got to think also I feel I feel at the moment for an act soon Namun. And Salomon. Also, like it must be really horrible to just wake up and just look like, like shit. Yeah, where's where's me fucking heart gone? And all my other bits. Where's why does she hang on to these? But how's she moving around? Yeah, she's bullshit. I'm gonna be honest now, bullshit. If we if we water this down, this is the equivalent to like you waking up. Yeah, and there's a load of people in your bedroom having a fight, and you're like, get, I don't know who's side I'm on, but get, I'm in the game. Get the fuck. <laughs> the only thing I can think of, <clears throat> the only thing I can think of, it gets the soul. The the, the kind of like CGI rope thing that goes on the corpse and wakes her up. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that he's like really likes her mind. But like he looks at her and goes, but no, <laughs> just like no, I don't want to be that guy. But I'm not banging that. I just I'd much rather have Rachel Weisz, which is weird. And also, no one ever points out. No one goes. They don't look the same. <laughs> they don't. They don't look alike. In the second film, he finds one who looks exactly like an old Solomon. Just wait a bit longer, dickhead. <laughs> Bide your time. Um, got a lot of problems with this mate got a lot of problems with the end it's unrealistic if Jonathan's reading the spell slash curse slash thing Jonathan finishes the book sending mummified soldiers to kill Anoxala Moon even though she isn't alive <laughs> she was never resurrected so we still don't understand why she's dead <laughs> no answer for that on the internet no one could answer that bullshit so they come alive and they stab her mummified corpse but she's not alive yet Be- I don't know <laughs> this upsets him Otep but then a ghost-like horse thing from the film Ghost appears, takes his shadow, and then he walks into a knife and dies. <laughs> I I forgot about this until watching it. I forgot about the ghost horse thing. Yeah. That basically comes to collect his soul. Collect his powers, I think, is what it is. Because That's he does, it, yeah. Because the idea is that he's he's no longer immortal. It takes his immortality, but his immortality has taken the shape mm. of the mummy running away, being captured by horse people. <laughs> Like in an anger, he turns around, doesn't know he's lost his immortality, walks straight into a sword. But what I love about this is he's running at him and he says, Oh my god, I thought you think he was gonna kill him. And then he walks into Rick's sword, and then everything goes, he took away his immortality. It's like you could have told him fucking before that, because he thought he was about to get the <laughs> shit kicked out of him, Evelyn. <laughs> leaving it for dramatic effect. I, I wanna know what the ghost horse thing was doing all this time. I like just chilling. He's like, well, got to read that book. <laughs> got it. You've got to. You know, I'm, <laughs> needs, I'm not free. You know, I'm not... instructions. <laughs> what I love about this is, so he gets stabbed in the heart. Oh, this is it for Imhotep. Of all the places to walk, he walks into a vat of souls, <laughs> dragged back in. That's a bit sad. Back to eternal damnation. Those 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 effects aren't great. They're There's not. a lot of effects in this movie that I think hold up. I think a lot of the sand stuff works. Um, the scar beetles are great. The half decayed Imhotep scenes are great for a PG movie. Yeah, it has to walk that line. I'm not being too gory and gooey, but scary enough, and you know, to to do justice to the fact that it is a rotten mummy. And that's it at the end. Is probably the I, I, you probably could have just done with him falling into a lava like Terminator. Just do it that way. Fum comes up. <laughs> done. Cheers. <laughs> no, what we should have done. Brother Fred should have smothered him with a cat. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the way to go. 
<laughs> Throws a load of key litter on him. Yeah. Loads of cats come and shit on him. Yeah, just leads him leads him into it with some catnip. That's done. Never mind. There's only a few minutes left. Benny has been filling his horse, mate. He's been filling his horse with his gold that he's found. But he gets eaten by scarabs as he tries to steal more and more gold. Rick does try to save him, but ultimately fails. And the three head off, unaware that they have a fuckload of treasure in their saddlebags. The Medjai, who randomly disappeared towards the end, shows back up again. Then he fucks off. <laughs> the end. Going to tell you this now, mate. Did a running thing. The mummy kills five people if we're, cla- if we're classing Winston, which I still don't think. I still think that's the sand. Scarabs, mate, killed for. Just saying. Scarabs, who were not the main villain here, Scarabs for the win. Yeah. I Should think, have been called the Scarabs. <laughs> see, what's scarier? One Scarab. What's scarier? A horde of them. Yeah. But you, you know, you're light on your feet and you can see them coming. I'm definitely not. Or you know you're in a building with one of them. Feel like, though, it's the sheer number of them, which is how they can devour so quickly. Yeah. Oh, no, but then they can get in your skin. They get in John Hannah's skin, mm. don't they? Actually, I don't know. Because this, this is that age old thing, isn't it? About, like, you know, you're immortal. There's a, there's a conundrum on the internet about the snail. snail. Yeah. You're immortal, but there's a snail that can kill you and it's always coming for you. I'd accept it. Well, so why don't you just like throw it in sand? Why don't you just contain it in sand? I think it's also immortal. And if it touches you, you're dead. That's fine, but you get a glass jar and you'd always keep it with you. Well. I would. I'd always want to keep my... I guess how they, some people would bury it mm. miles away. I'd live on the moon. Come on, snail. Come get me here. You've forgotten something. <laughs> Fast and Furious 11. The moon. <laughs> um, what's fascinating? None of this film was shot in Egypt. Doesn't strike me. Is that, I imagine, let me have a look. Let me look at this dusty place, Utah. It was uh, Marrakesh. Was, uh, Marrakesh was in North Africa. was the place, they filmed Casablanca there. Yeah. There's a lot of film studios that you can still go to. It, you can get to the Sahara Desert from there as well. So you can, you know. Um, and London was also used. Yeah. Um, real risks and fears of um, people being kidnapped. Insurance was really high in this movie. Shit. A lot of the crew fell victim to bites, stings, and were hospitalised due to heat. Sandstorms stopped production, so it was a, a bit of a nightmare to uh, to get the film Fucking finished. sand, mate. Sand, mate. It's coarse. It's dry, I guess, everywhere. <laughs> Test audiences didn't like the name of the mummy. Didn't like Should it. Should have gone with a scarf, I know. <laughs> Reminds me of that. Can you remember that film you made that time? The Daddy, the unofficial sequel. Yeah. But to be fair, though, mine was gay pornography. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) Um, release was delayed because we already talked about the Phantom Menace. It was made for 80 million and it made 446. It was all over it. Universal and the studios needed it because Babe, Pig in the City, was a huge flop the year before. And I'll never understand that, mate. No. I know. Anyone who's worth their weight in salt knows that Bay Pig in the City was a far superior sequel to the regular. But I suppose, actually, a lot of audiences in the 90s were like, I've seen Babe. I don't know where we can go with this story. It goes to the city, mate. It goes to the city, <laughs> but I don't know if I need to see that. If, if, they, if, they, like, if they'd done what most franchises do, I imagine we've got a lot of people back. They were like, we've run out of, days, run out of ideas for mm. Babe. Babe, Pig in Space. Well, let's just have a few titles out there. You could have Babe... Now I've got a machine gun. That I'd see that. I'd see that. Babe, pig in the city, but it's more like Emmanuel. It's like, <laughs> like more charming. <laughs> babe. Babe free with a vengeance. Got one, babe, pig in your city. It's threatening. <laughs> Menacing. <laughs> yeah, I... I uh... Babe, this time it's bacon. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 
I, uh, I I really love this one. I thought the chemistry works really well with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Vice at the helm of the movie. I think John Hanna is a great uh, sidekick. I think the three of them are iconic in these roles. And Arnold Vazula, we've already talked about, is a great villain. I think the film doesn't really drag. It is two hours. It feels like two hours, it but it's entertaining throughout that whole time. The thing with an adventure film, it does need to be longer. You need to be the cent. You need to be. You need to go through at the start of an epic journey, have the epic journey and a satisfying conclusion. So Indiana Jones films are always two hours plus because you need them. Mm. Um, I, I think like National Treasure is over two hours. You need it because you need to but, set up but, that there's an epic journey. Yeah, but National Treasure is a bit more linear in the sense that, you know, that you've got someone who's got to break the law to prevent a villain from doing it, a British villain. Mm. Whereas this, it's, it's odd that the first hour of this movie is just Brendan Fraser going back to the place that he was told to not go come back to to cause a problem that then they has to resolve in the third act. And so I suppose that two-hour runtime is a bit like, oh, we're back here again. And then he has to go back a third time to get rid of the guy. What? That's actually a good point. What, what I don't understand is why um, at the end, it, it, you know, Brendan Fraser, he's having a fight with Nimitab. He goes, did you draw your face in the sand <laughs> like a few weeks ago? Yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah, it was me. It was Archie's. Yeah, you freaked the shit out <laughs> Or when, when the, the face in the sand tell was coming, he goes, I've seen that fucking <laughs> Gotta say that I actually really did like I of the effects, I don't think it's a CGI effect. The face in the sand at the beginning of the film is actually really cool. Uh I love shit like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And and the problem and I'll go on to the second the sequel here. What really like what I really like in this film is really simple. I love the fact that <clears throat> it's wrong person, wrong time, about overcoming your fears. It's about essentially a campy action film. Adventure is fun. The second one. Had so much fucking story. There's so much storyline. It opens, and I really like the beginning of like the story of the Scorpion King mm. and the army of Anubis. That's really cool. But then there's pygmies in a, in a forest. There's a kid who wears the who wears the brochure. And what I really like is at the end, Imhotep. Who, who let's be honest, they take an entire film to resurrect him in the sequel. 15 minutes, mate. He's ready. <laughs> it's like ready. Got all my powers. Let's, let's get shit done. Got my loincloth. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. Got his. He's got a nook on the moon. Doesn't give a toss. He's like, mm. do you remember when I tried to put you in you? <laughs> I don't need to now. There's a backstory where fucking Brendan Fraser's got a tattoo on his arm. And I checked for this film, mate. No tattoo. Mm. <laughs> Didn't see it. Turns out he's a chosen Magi warrior, which is weird because he does this little thing with Arda Bain. Arda Bain. If I said I was looking for an ostrich and you were going east, he would go, I would tell you I've got an ostrich to sell when I'm going to the west. And they're like, oh, that means you're a sacred Magi warrior. He'd be like, Or you could just be like... I recognise you. Do you know the handshake? <laughs> get your title out, you yeah. mush. Did you get the newsletter? <laughs> hey, you're on the mailing list. It's horse. I've never known a sequel to go like, oh my god, the first. Well, oh, no, that's not true. Yeah, Islander too. Yeah, quite a lot of sequels do. <laughs> yeah, so much storyline. So one much uh, the third one had Jet Li. That's that's it. It had the third one. Fucking Rachel Weisz was like, no, <laughs> she had. She said that she had scheduling conflicts, and in reality, it's because she read the script. And Brendan Fraser at this time, unfortunately, needed some... Needed some. Well, the third one's the one that the critics preferred out of the three of them. The third the CGI one? Had, the CGI and effects had, had come along since then. I thought it was crap. I thought it was so bad. I think that, yeah, I think, I think The Mummy works. I think, for me, the, the reason why I like The Mummy isn't for necessarily the... It has got plot holes, and it, ha, and it, is, a, it is a romantic comedy more than a um, an action a romantic comedy more than it is a horror and for me that means that I like the scenes like 
Rachel Weisz toppling over bookcases. And I like the scene where Brendan Fraser's too busy loading his gun that he doesn't see the bullet holes getting closer and she just has to move him out of the way yes. as one appears where his head was. And it's little things like that that make the film charming and rely on its biggest strength, which is the chemistry of three very, well, two very good actors in, in their prime. Uh, or you could say uh, yeah. Fraser is now in his prime. but And, and, a, and a really good supporting cast. It is a fun it is a fun story that I didn't get bored at at all. It's a romp. It is it a is. fun romp. It's the sort of thing that, so you've got young and in like five years time, you should, the mummy will be fine. It'll be great to watch together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I fully enjoyed it. I think the mummy was worth the revisit. Um, Thank you, Nola. Yeah. So this brings up that if you've got a film that you'd like us to review and if we've got oh, a gap in? in our schedule and we'll oh. piss all over it. <laughs> she's, she's very disappointed. She probably really liked the film. She was like, I love it. Do the do the two. So obviously I get the feeling she likes the second one. I fucking hate the second one. Well, I do like the first one. Yeah, I, I, and I think it's, it is our way of to... It is our way make, to mark. To make light piece. jokes about a film that we actually hold very dear to us. And this film, I think, also works in the favour that if you were at the right age at when it come out, or you discovered it at the right time, I guess, because I suppose film translates that you can watch it at any stage. But I think that's this... You, if I was just flicking through the channels you know, at my age now and going, yeah, I never saw the mummy. Let's watch it. I might not get the majesty of the movie. I might not yes. get it. The fact that this automatically takes me back to 1999 and then the numerous times as a teenager watching the sequels and the spin-offs and playing the video games and falling in love with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz, the, I'll always hold this movie dearly. It's a very good film. I'm going to tell you now though, and I'm sorry to do this to your listeners. I had great fun watching it. It was great fun talking about it. It's not the best of the best. It's not in the vault. But that's all right. It's a very good film and I did it. Yeah, it doesn't go in the, the vault, which is the safe haven for the greatest movies of all time of this podcast, but we will put it in a tomb somewhere. We put a curse on it so that if you come back in a hundred years, if you come across it, it will kill you and everyone you've ever met. That's our show for this week, ladies and gentlemen. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.